This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello. Welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Today, we wind up the Green Economy series, a five-part series made possible by a collaboration with the continent's premier development finance institution, the African Development Bank Group, particularly its climate change and green growth department. But before we do, we are asking ourselves how can Africa and the world economies build better given the tremendous impacts COVID-19 has had on economies. And not forget the climate change emergency crisis that UNEP 2019 emission gaps tells us we are already on a three degrees warmer world pathway. I talked to Davina Milenje Uela, who is the Principal Program Coordinator, Climate Change and Green Growth Department at the African Development Bank Group. She tells me adopting a culture of repurposing, reusing, recycling, and sharing. Basically, a circular economy is a solution to a lesser, warmer world and better economies as the world recover from the COVID-19 crisis and also grows under the rising temperatures. Davina, thank you so much for joining us. When we talk about circular economy, what are we talking about? Now, the circular economy is a development concept if you may, but really entrenched in production and supply. It kind of uh, aims to reverse the traditional linear uh, production and supply systems, so production and supply models, which were largely uh, based on uh, uh, mine use and dispose kind of spectrum. But uh, the circular economy uh, looks largely at uh, trying to use resources beyond their life in a regenerative and restorative uh, manner. Uh, in that case, we talk of recycling, uh, reuse, and repurpose. Beyond uh, waste management, because uh, largely on the continent, when you see these concepts, it's in waste management, but there's a whole built uh, as a business uh, model on uh, recycling and regeneration. For instance, if you're using a rental, uh, let's say you have resources you're renting, that is also called uh, circular economy. If you're using energy efficiency, that is still uh, uh, circular economy. Mm-hmm. Any uh, system that enables you to reuse uh, resources in a manner that they create value uh, from what was initially at the end of its life, that is circular economy. So we are at a situation where we have COVID-19 at the moment, and we are also, um, we have the Paris Agreement that we have to stay under two degrees warmer world. In 2019, there was a circularity gap report that indicated that going into circular economy is one of the ways that we could meet the Paris Agreement goal. How can circular economy help in terms of meeting the Paris Agreement goal? Uh, resource uh, efficiency is a, a key driver to uh, minimizing uh, mining resources, and naturally, mining resources includes well uh, emissions being emitted, whether it is uh, physical mining or or dumping. Uh, there's a whole lot of food waste, uh, tons of uh, millions of tons in terms of. Food waste. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, and agricultural waste, uh, either out of post-harvest loss. And all that uh, end up on dump sites uh, and emit uh, methane, which is a highly important uh, GHG. Mm. Now, uh, what uh, recycling does, it enables that uh, reuse of that waste, whether in culturing organic soil. Uh, there are small startups now that do uh, bio waste, uh, turn bio waste into uh, organic soils, which then generate new food and uh, water has harvesting uh, resources. And, and so all that enables uh, uh, resources that would have been uh, at the end of their lives to come in stream. In, in that way, it saves uh, many tons of CO2. Now, uh, for, for you mentioned the post-COVID uh, space. Mm-hmm. Circular economy is a promising uh, system, if I may call it that, or development model, mm-hmm. because of the disruptions around uh, supply and distribution, the global supply and distribution systems that have been disrupted because of COVID. And, uh, and because of that, a circular economy enables production at the domestic level. And, and, and so we've seen in our small towns the, the use of uh, textile waste, uh, patches of cloth that are now being used as uh, masks, or shifting uh, buckets that were used for watering to to Mm. use as hand washing as you enter into shops. All that repurposing is circular economy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it also provides uh, mechanisms or business, uh, uh, new entry levels for business in uh, medical waste uh, management. And so the, the push is for governments to remove, um, whether it is through incentives, to, to remove those barriers that kind of disincentivize uh, businesses in that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of African countries depend on exporting raw materials and, and right. then buy uh, finished uh, goods and, and all that. How is it uh, some extent of recycling is happening? But what does a circular economy look like for the continent? Right. Let, let me just uh, phrase it that uh, it is actually one of those areas that the African Ministerial Conference on Environment, which is uh, called AMSEN, mm-hmm. even as back as last November, had a session there, 17th uh, annual conference, Mm-hmm. All for circular economy as a way of transitioning Africa towards sustainability, both towards the Paris Agreement commitments and the SDGs uh, agenda. Mm-hmm. Now, circular economy largely cuts across all the 17 uh, SDGs, but largely around uh, SDG 12, which is on responsible production and consumption. Mm-hmm. In that, the UN, uh, of course, highlights the the benefits of efficiency, especially energy efficiency uh, for a continent like Africa, and to uh, reduction of food waste, agricultural waste, uh, largely because of transport and uh, and the whole value chain uh, uh, constraints. And, and, And so what that does, because there's a, a continental call for circular economy, mm-hmm. they, that uh, sends the message to, to the stakeholders, to the banks, to, to the whole uh, business uh, uh, chain 
on the opportunities that are embedded. Today, we have countries that have banned single-use plastics, Kenya being one of them. And, and, and so that uh, naturally has uh, uh, benefits in terms of new uh, opportunities uh, for innovators in uh, recyclable plastic, for instance. And, and, and because of that, because the laws are there, I'm told that uh, Kenya is also uh, experimenting or intends to put up a, a tax incentive for companies that are in uh, uh, recycling businesses. So if, if we have case studies uh, of uh, best practices, like in this case, Kenya, Rwanda has done it, and there's several countries that are looking into use of uh, or incentives that, or, for companies that create alternatives to single-use plastic, then uh, through the networks on the continent, for instance, the Africa Circular Economy Alliance, the peer-to-peer -peer learning at country level takes place, and, and, and so we, we scale uh, participation. Mm -hmm. In terms of policies, what policies do countries need? One of them is, of course, on the incentivization. Taxation will be key on it because businesses go where they make profits. So uh, taxation policies are very key. Uh, uh, trade policies around uh, uh, transfer of secondary materials, very key. Regulations around certification, because again, this is uh, a waste material, recyclable material. So standards and certifications are very key. Uh, uh, regulations around building codes, uh, on energy efficiency in buildings, water saving, uh, waste management at the household level. All those are very key to, to drive change. Circular economy is largely embedded in behavioral change. I mean, uh, uh, there has to be incentives around reuse. So for instance, in textiles and, and, and the fashion industry, uh, there are uh, policies around uh, using materials that are less polluting in the fashion industry. The fashion industry uh, has been at the forefront of uh, the circular uh, economy uh, adoption, largely because of water use, water saving. Uh, it's it's uh, said that to produce one pair of jeans, you need 10,000 liters of water. And, and so that awareness alone uh, is driving a shift in uh, the environmentally conscious consumer. Mm. That also means that countries have to invest in terms of um, behavior change because then um, when, like for example, much of the time when you walk in the streets of Nairobi, there's um, littering and we have mm -hmm. um, a whole practice of littering probably you find from a very young age. So that means also like as countries work in terms of policies, it's very important to invest in terms of behavior change and teaching people to you know, mm -hmm. reuse to have a culture of reusing, and probably does uh, speak about probably is it a lot for a long term uh, thinking? Should it also be something that probably schools curriculums you know think of something right. introduced? Yes, several schools, and and this is not even uh, maybe before we crafted the, the term circular economy. Mm -hmm. There were already uh, clubs, uh, whether they were. Uh, social clubs that engaged in waste collection because it was good for the environment. Sure. And so the cleanup program, Rwanda has a whole Umuganda program that is embedded in their culture, community cleanups. Mm -hmm. Some 
towns uh, through their city corporations, uh, Africa is a member of the United Cities and local government authority, have uh, adopted that. And I think Nairobi at some point uh, was in that, uh, going that direction. I know for sure Abidjan in Cote d'Ivoire has uh, gone into that direction of trying to beautify cities. Yeah. One, as clean environment, uh, we all like to live in climate, clean environments, but also for uh, for tourism, because all this attracts uh, your, your credits in terms of promoting your cities for your countries as tourist uh, destinations. And as we have seen, tourism is one of those growing uh, economic sectors. And so it taps on different uh, uh, economic uh, triggers. Uh, circular economy does that. And so beyond the whole behavior change, there's also the saving, saving of resources, starting with the household, uh, the saving on water, saving on energy, by just that behavior change, uh, making sure that uh, uh, your tap isn't running is, is is part of that much as it saves the planet it also saves your, your family resources and so once the communication and messaging is right the benefit is very clear mm, that's very interesting and in terms of technology do we do we right. need to invest in technology or it's 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 a day-to-day -day, you know how how do we go about technology and also financing this right uh so the technologies always follow demand and uh, what we have seen on the continent, uh, especially in the circular space, is a lot of digital solutions, either on uh, water metering or waste management, or even embedding uh, waste collection with uh, uh, the financial platform. So that you'll have, uh, in your case in Kenya, waste collections that is linked to the M-Pesa payment system. Mm -hmm. And so that uh, seamless value chain uh, is interesting for new startups and 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 so the collector knows uh, how much value by kilo of waste they've, they've uh, carried to the to the collector how much money is coming onto their uh, investor account and that is their bank account so across the value chain everybody is winning whether it is a financial sector that is uh, set up uh, or the it company that uh, uh, sustains the investor platform so there's a whole new business that comes in. When you look at uh, the Uber system, uh, it's all about uh, rent sharing and uh, resource sharing. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of startups that have started to uh, implement that model in different sectors, whether it is in agriculture, we, we see companies that rent tractors, instead of each farmer having their own tractor, uh, startups are coming and uh, having a platform where if I'm not using my tractor, another neighbor can use it. And so there's no motivation of that neighbor to buy their own tractor and, and, and stuff. Mm. That's interesting. So it's it's more of encouraging, for example, sharing in terms of we can right. share in terms of uh, even I'm looking at our matatu industry and uh, our car industry in Nairobi and many African cities. So where if, if you do not necessarily have to use a car by yourself, you can actually co-share with someone going to the same diff, the same route and right. that we minimize in terms of emissions. That's yes. So what uh, the challenge is to have uh, systems or regulations mm -hmm. that uh, that promote 
our business. I mean, uh, uh, for for it to be uh, to get to scale and have critical mass intake, it has to be uh, uh, supported with the regulatory framework. Yeah. And and, and so that is uh, what is happening as as these uh, businesses grow. The government is realizing that this is another uh, business sector that needs one to be supported, but it's also a new tax base for for, for the economies. Hmm. And so it is about being dynamic. Uh, economies that have been very dynamic are able to reap those uh, uh, those peak uh, benefits of uh, uh, circular economy. But because it saves on many things, one, it enables a country meet its uh, global commitments on uh, sustainable development and uh, and uh, climate change. But it also has big benefit on job creation because youth unemployment is a, is a big challenge on the continent. Mm. And so when these uh, startups come in, they are very labor intensive I mean, collection and even if even in, but set up their part. So by having those incubation centers for the youth, you have a huge uh, benefit on inclusive growth. And uh, so what? Let, let me speak of what we are trying to do here at the bank to catalyze this. The African Development Bank is now setting up a circular economy uh, facility, which largely anchors around two uh, areas. One, uh, policy drive. Mm -hmm. Understanding what I was just saying, that we need a policy uh, shift or a policy uh, base to drive this uh, change. And two, uh, until we've created the critical mass in the business community uh, to drive this, then it remains a, a fringe business a, a, that is not mainstream. So what we are trying to do is create innovation hubs in a way that one, it creates space for those uh, SMEs that are ready for the next level to find uh, businesses that they, that they can, uh, or investors, that can bring in equity or any other sources of financing. And, and so for that, we are creating what is called a deal marketplace, a place where you showcase your business in a manner that uh, investors uh, see uh, your business case. And then, uh, but we are also for the other businesses that are still uh, struggling with the market research and all these uh, uh, requirements for, for the business to be viable. We create uh, small grants and uh, technical assistance, as in business training for, yeah. for, for the businesses to grow. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm wondering in terms of uh, Africa, mainly you'll find that um, many of these countries are, are, are actually growing. So is it an opportunity, does it present a very good opportunity for many African countries to, um, as they industrialize, to um, design in terms of their economies, uh, industries towards like uh, circular economy as compared to linear economy? Definitely. Often it's said that Africa has abundant and vast resources, but these resources are finite. They will, if it's a mine, it will run out of, of the whole aluminum or every old mining. And, and so even water resources dry up. And so the idea that uh, you are embedding into a mechanism that recharges your resources, that is a win across uh, uh, the chain. And two, it enables you to, to absorb what you have abundantly, which is labor. 
-hmm. in a way that it's still uh, the innovation is in a manner that it creates a value for everybody, whether it is at the collection, which is very physical, or to the uh, artificial intelligence level. And so there are all levels uh, that are uh, attached to. So when it comes to traditional uh, production systems, mm -hmm. for instance, you have a Coca-Cola plant. And uh, to date, most of the Coca-Cola drinks are in plastic bottles. Yeah. Somebody is going to create value by collecting the, the Coca-Cola bottles and recycling them in a manner that they are that level where they, they can be reused by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola has now uh, a network of other uh, similar corporations that are trying to lobby for PET plastic reuse. And so it is about trying to create their platform. That's what the Africa Financial Alliance does create a platform where Coca-Cola brings its resources and uh, get the scientific community to come up with those uh, solutions mm -hmm. uh, in a way that governments can now see the value because oftentimes there is no space or platform where these three uh, uh, stakeholders can sit and actually understand each other's uh, interests. Mm. There's going to be people who are disenfranchised by uh, shifting systems. Uh, it's very clear in South Africa around uh, stopping coal. There were communities that were built for centuries around coal mines. And so all that livelihood is going to waste because of the closing of the mine. And so there has to be some reparation, some justice to that change of mm. global consumption. Mm. Same with even when we speak of circular economy, especially in the African context, um, we have commodity-based uh, economies, yeah. meaning that once the circular economy agenda takes hold, your primary commodities are no longer that needed. So you're, you're uh, still mining and all these uh, uh, metals will no longer, your copper mine will no longer be your copper export, will not be in demand because of the reuse uh, adoption, if reuse becomes mainstream. So that there is going to be a reduction in uh, demand for primary good, meaning that uh, the, the end person uh, that is livelihood depends on the primary uh, export now becomes threatened and so there has to be a, a internally or within the, the regional mechanics some ways of managing that transition mm. and so th there has to be some uh, uh, justice uh, or, or, or restorative uh, measures taken to to cater for the livelihoods that are going to be impacted by this shift yeah that happened when uh, uber took over the streets the tradition of large taxes in in, uh, in London had a big problem. Mm. And so the uh, government had to find a way to, to manage that uh, transition. Mm. Because then you find um, Africa is developing, contributes very little mm -hmm. in terms of, of carbon emission. And then you find majority of our natural resources, we are at a point where we are not supposed to, we're supposed to let much of it remain on the ground. 
but then again this is the natural resources that we depend on so then that mm-hmm. means as we move into the circular economy then there has to be probably in 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 the international negotiations looking into uh, africa having a justice systems whereby we still can probably manage to mine our resources i think you know when it comes to the whole issues of climate and and the use of resources and the fact that we right little, yeah yeah in that well indeed I'm glad you mentioned the negotiations these have to be issues that are, are given space in the negotiations just transition is one topic that was mentioned around the negotiations but it has not been in the mainstream and so uh, the one thing that the activists have been and uh, remain a resource is they they ensure that those uh, topics are not don't fall off the table devina your final word on why circular economy is the way to go for the continent two things for me one that it creates jobs for youth that is very key two that when with that is innovation african youth are very uh, big on innovation Mm-hmm. And it's so a development model that enables them to use their creative uh, skills is a key and a win for the continent. My second one is on resource use, that uh, uh, Africa has to be smart in using its resources and circular economy enables uh, the continent uh, efficiently using its resources for the generations to come and, and without saving their planet. Just a reminder this conversation is part of a five-part green economy series made possible by a collaboration with Africa's premier development finance institution the African Development Bank Group in particular its climate change and green growth department before we wind up financing is critical for Africa if the continent is to achieve a green growth and financing institution like the African Development Bank Group has a huge role to play Alhamdu Dosuma is the climate adaptation and green growth manager at the bank. He tells us what the bank is doing to show the finance is available for the continent. Yes, uh financial institutions have a great role to play in um boosting adaptation. Uh and the African Development Bank is playing that role uh, uh along other institutions in the continent. Uh, mm-hmm. The bank has a uh, great experience in supporting uh, Africa's climate change agenda. As you may know, over the last 10 years, mm-hmm. the bank has been supporting uh, Africa to uh, in the negotiation process for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has resulted into, you know, uh, a successful adoption of the Paris Agreement that includes Africa's priorities. As I said, the global goal on adaptation is included. Africa is singled out in the agreement as a continent where there is a great uh, renewable energy uh, opportunity mm. uh, so we have been providing advice to the uh, african stakeholders including the committee of african heads of state on climate change the african ministerial council on the environment and the african group of negotiators to position uh, africa's priorities in the global negotiation process and it has uh, it has been successful successful so far because it has resulted into uh, adoption of key african initiatives mm-hmm. like the africa adaptation initiative that is under implementation now yeah uh, also yeah. at um, uh, you know in the paris agreement we provided um, support uh, to african countries to to take advantage of um, this agreement to position adaptation as a global priority 
but as an institution, uh, we have been also implementing our own strategies of climate change. Um, we, over the last 10 years, uh, implemented two action plans already. The first one uh, covered the period 2011-2015. Uh, this one has uh, enabled the bank to mobilize a total of 12 uh, billion US dollars as climate finance. You know, far beyond our expectation because uh, our commitment under that action plan was to mobilize nine billion. Um, the second action plan is uh, almost being completed because uh, it is expiring end of this year. Mm. But already we have seen that uh, we have uh, made the significant progress with uh, implementing this action plan. Yeah. Um, we have we have uh, grown our climate finance from nine percent of our investment in 2016 to 35% uh, in 2019. Yeah. Um, uh, so we see that um, uh, there is a steady progress in the bank's uh, climate finance uh, performance thanks to the implementation of uh, our climate uh, climate action. Mm. Uh, although we, uh, the current situation with the COVID-19 is going to, to 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 affect our our delivery, but we believe that um, you know the progress is significant and we are going to take stock of that in the new. Um, uh, climate change and green growth policy strategy and action plan that we are developing now. Mm. One key um, role that the bank has played is to 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 ensure parity between adaptation and mitigation. As mm. I told you at the beginning of our conversation, uh, ninety percent of global finance on climate change goes to mitigation. Mm. As the African Development Bank, we we set a specific objective that we are going to ensure 50 50 percent. 50% for adaptation, 50% for mitigation. Mm -hmm. And um, in 2018, we have been able to ensure that parity between the two strategies, adaptation and mitigation. Yeah. Uh, and uh, last year, in 2019, we, we have achieved 55% for adaptation finals. Mm -hmm. But our objective is to uh, achieve a constant rise in both adaptation and, and mitigation finals in the, in the future. Okay. Um, in, on adaptation in particular, you know, our our adaptation finance in 2012 was uh, 500 million US dollars. Last year, 2019, our adaptation finance amounts to 2 billion. So you see uh, the progress, uh, especially on the adaptation side. Yeah. We are also implementing entity for most global funds, like the Global Environment Facility, mm -hmm. the Green Climate Fund, and the Climate Investment Funds. Mm -hmm. We have our own internal funds, like the Africa Climate Change Fund, the Africa Water Facility, the Claim Def Africa Special Fund, etc. And uh, these uh, also provide some assistance, especially technical assistance to our regional member countries to, to address adaptation and other climate change priorities. Hmm. Uh, lastly, I think uh, we have also uh, uh, you know, established some in-house climate initiatives uh, that are very uh, significant, including the Africa NDC Hub, that is the platform of uh, 18 uh, organizations in order to coordinate our climate change action, especially mm. under the NDC, uh, NDC platform. Mm. Uh, we have uh, the African Financial Alliance on Climate Change, AFA, that provides an opportunity for uh, you know, the Africa's financial sector to adequately address climate-related risk and uh, access concessional climate finance. Yeah. Currently, we are also discussing with Canada to establish the Canada FDB Climate Finance Facility mm -hmm. to also, you know, uh, provide um, assistance to public and private sector 
to take climate action. Mm. Uh, there is another new initiative for this, the African Circular Economy Facility that is currently being established with support from Finland, uh, you know, Nordic Development Fund and other partners to, you know, ensure implementation of the African Circular Economy Alliance that is currently co-chaired by Rwanda, South Africa and Nigeria. The Adaptation yeah. Benefit Mechanism, yeah. ABM. Mm. And uh, this yeah. is also an opportunity for us to bring in uh, private sector into adaptation uh, finance. So, and there are other, uh, you know, project activities. Uh, some projects are very significant in terms of adaptation. For instance, the program for integrated development and adaptation to climate change in the Niger Basin. Uh, this is a, a 210 million US dollar project mm -hmm. with uh, blended finance from the, the Green Climate Fund and other partners to support nine African countries you know, on adaptation. We are also uh, currently implementing the Africa Disaster Risk Financing Adrifi Program Mm -hmm. which also uh, supports uh, countries to enhance uh, resilience and respond to climate shocks. And this also involves uh, a total of nine countries in Africa. Okay. So in, the, in, in summary, this is what we have been doing and uh, we are aiming to do more in mm. the future. Okay. That was Alhamdulillah Dusuma expounding on the bank's adaptation finance efforts. Earlier on, we had Davina Melenja, the AFTB's Principal Program Coordinator, Climate Change and Green Growth Department, talking about how a circular economy can help the continent reduce its emission and grow sustainably. With this, we wind up the Green Economy Series. Thank you so much, Africa Development Bank Group. Um, especially the Climate Change and Green Growth Department for making possible the five-part Green Economy Series. The African Development Bank Group is Africa's premier development finance institution. Remember, you can access all the five-part series and many more podcasts on our website, africaclimateconversations.com. Let's keep this conversation going on Twitter, Facebook, and remember, you can write to us using info at africaclimateconversations.com. Until next week, Kwaheri, have a safe and productive week ahead. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.